call in 90 Day Fiancé, podcast where two friends recap a TV show suggested by a stranger on the internet. Please join us as we consume, digest, and regurgitate the learning channel's 90 Day Fiancé. Hi, love. Hi, love. Are you ready to talk about Season 8, Episode 14 of the learning channel's 90 Day Fiancé? I am in high-waisted jeans, and I am ready. It's called Into Your Arms. I'm not sure what that's a reference to. Lemonheads, Evan Dando. Come on. Oh, get back into it. That is... Into your arms, oh, into your arms. I can go. Oh, that's such a great song. Oh, memories. We never introduce ourselves, but just so you know, I'm Lo, and this is what my voice sounds like. My name is Sean. That is S-E-A-N. And I just took a shower with my brand new body wash. And um, let's just say I'm uh, all grapefruity and vanilla-y. Fresh. It's important to paint this picture for when we later have to talk about Andrew. Because that's not going to smell good to our listeners. Or to us. It doesn't smell good. Now I'm starting to feel like his stench on like a psychic level. It's creeping into your window at night. A green mist like Dracula. Yeah. Gross. Maria would not like him, I don't think. Actually, I would love to have Andrew get a reading from Maria. All right. Previously on Barrage. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Get your double bass Metallica drums. Natalie and Mike are re-engaged. And great. Uh, Amira's crying. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) Yay. Amira's crying Uh in the Uber on the way to the airport to go to Serbia. Rightfully so. Tariq and Hazel are still on their minty bullshit. Stephanie boils a cauldron of skincare products and summons Harris. Stabs a balloon. I'm still not over that. It's all part of the ritual. Rebecca and Zayed continue to have their Ramadana drama behind Joelle's chicken. And Jovi and Yara had, um, well, she fell and, and went boom, so she had to go home and lay down, and Jovi got to go to his bachelor party. I think, though, too, if she's going to go to Vegas the next day, like, good for her to stay home and rest anyways, but it sounds like she really did hurt herself. So Jovi's out with his friend Kaz, who I don't think he wants these two to get married or something. I feel like this dude is, he might be a, a frenemy for Jovi, because he's not being helpful. I pick up a super homoerotic vibe. Mm. <gasps> oh my god, that makes so much sense. With my friends, it's like I don't really want them to get their rocks off that much. It's like if they do, I'm here for it. Like, yeah. tell me all about it. Let's chat. But just like the need to kind of procure someone and have them an experience in which they are titillated the night before they fly to their wedding, you know? Oh, God. There's something very gay about it, which is probably why I I like it so much. I'm completely visualizing Kaz, like, peering through the beaded curtain while he's, like, pumping the wall. (laughs) He's doing the Crystal Connors! He's totally doing, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, Jovi is Kyle McLaughlin getting his lap dance. Oh, my God. Yes. I love this reality. Okay, let's... Let's live in that reality. Okay, so we've got Stephanie and question mark, question mark. There's no visas. I don't, there's no fiancés anymore. No more I love yous. WWW. <laughs> exactly. Before we move on, I just want to say that there was a line in that flashback, flash forward, what have you, where Andrew mentions something about um, a vague promise of children. Wasn't that a hit for Paula Abdul? 
back in the day, big promise children. Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah, just when you thought you were going to maybe dodge a gross uterine discussion with that couple. Nope, they're going to get into it too. <laughs> they all have to. I love a vague promise, don't you? Every uterus is just a vague promise of children. <laughs> Remember the music video? They stretched it. That was such a great, great song. Anyway, let's join Stephanie and Rye Harris. So let's go to Belize with Stephanie, where she calls Harris so she could be comforted. Because she just can't be alone with herself for two minutes without cuckoo turtur. So he promptly ran out there and took like every mode of transportation possible planes trains automobiles there was a boat involved and he rushed there so that he could sleep on the cooch i haven't done that since the 90s yeah i've actually sean i think you've slept on the cooch your whole life and you're gonna keep sleeping on it i am not waking up (laughs) you're not gonna get woke to the cooch so he's gonna be a gentleman But apparently Ryan's mom has been calling Stephanie's business looking for Ryan because he he ran off into that Uber and and he just went into the wind, apparently. I I feel like Stephanie's doing like the full on mommy dearest. It's like, if she doesn't like you, she can make you disappear. (laughs) The other thing is like, she's so offended that this woman is calling wanting to know where her son is because he's been missing for four days and you were the last person that he was seen with that is so offensive that cut this person and excise them completely it's very we've got pam on line one honey we've got the scissors out and we are chopping we are detaching hard I think that you need to do that for your mental health or your well-being or whatever but I think with Stephanie it, it clearly illustrates that these aren't These aren't real people to her. These are just... Interchangeable. They're interchangeable. She owns them. She bought them. She can return them. TJ Maxx has a two-year return policy on humans, apparently. They're just text on a form. Can we just change a few letters around? That's all. It's it's really kind of gross, to be honest. It's totally gross. Yeah, she straight up said, I want to swap Ryan for Harris. I wish Harris was on the K-1. So her response to hearing that these people are calling her place of business is, block everybody! Yeah. And she's like, I have no idea what is up right now. And it's like, that's your MO, isn't it, Stephanie? That's how you live your life. The thing is, she's really been on a roller coaster ride, like subterranean ups and downs on this roller coaster. So she needs a surprise. Help her, you gotta surprise me. (laughs) Distract me. I don't think Stephanie would know if she was on a roller coaster. <laughs> what? Where am I? Who are you? That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's it's subterranean. It's underground. <laughs> there, it doesn't. It doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's like just, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it's like you, there's, you can't go up from here, honey. Oh. No. Maybe that's just how she perceives her world. So she's like, these animatronics don't work anymore. They need to be replaced. Yeah. Because she can do it. She can She can go from Knott's Berry Farm to Disneyland. Well, so Harris wants to get that paper and that high-life USA lifestyle, so he... That Michigan life, though. Ooh, get that Michigan life. <laughs> that Bay City life. Mm. So he books a private hut meal. It's actually really cool. They are out in this little cabana that's on the water, and 
It looked lovely. Someone brought them a bottle of wine and a meal. Her favorite wine, even. What's that over there, hers? That my favorite wine? So she has her breakfast glass of wine and she says, fill it to the rim. Why'd you only order one bottle? They keep it on post because her wine glass is filled to like within an eighth. Like it's their surface tension. I just wrote in all caps, uh, drink it like a fucking alcoholic. Um, (laughs) You know, there's just no class. What is the thing with these women and pigtails? This is the pigtails episode. It's not it. We're get well. Let's get into that when we get to our second pigtail. Where oh, okay, okay. Episode. But the, the other thing is, like, do you think she's on Clonopin? Because it I... looks like she like holds on to Harris. Like she kind of needs help walking. Like she needs help with her balance. It'd be easier to try to guess what she's not on. <laughs> Puppy uppers, doggy downers. She's on the magic bus, honey. <laughs> she's on it. So she she looks at him over at the surface tension on her white wine glass and says, I'm done. You can see it in my eyes. And it's like, well, when they're both open at the same time, I guess I can kind of see it. And you know what he says back? I want to be with your body, girl. <laughs> Harris the love vulture sweeping in to pick at the corpse. <laughs> Harris waxes poetic. Maybe he just waxes. Ooh. Oh, well, Harris. He looks groomed. She says he might be the one, but she has to check with Maria. You could, like, hit her in the head with a brick, Heavenly Creature style, and she wouldn't feel it. Oh, I've been wanting to watch that lately. Heavenly Creatures. Oh, so fucked up. Oh, I love that movie so much. I think about little s- scenes from it all the time. <laughs> I just remember that the mid-90s was strange because my parents, specifically my mother, decided to rent every video in, like, Blockbuster's foreign film section. We watched a lot of crazy-ass shit, and that that was one of them. Did you watch, like, El Topo or, or Santa Sangre? That's the one I'm thinking of. No. We watched some film called Antonia's Line, where it's, like, an entire European village that fucks each other. And then there's one called... Baxter, where this woman's pit bull fantasizes in English about, like, murdering her. I hope you didn't watch Man Bites Dog with her. No. That's a fucked up Belgian movie from around that time. I did tell you about the time my mother decided that we were having orange night, and she rented a clockwork orange, and then dinner was orange soda, Cheetos, Kraft macaroni and cheese, baby carrots, and Maybe it was carrot cake for dessert. And then we watched a fucking clockwork orange. And my mom was like, I didn't know it would be that violent. <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if we're friends because I remind you of your mother. Kind of sounds like something I would do. And I love it. I, if I can find it, I have a picture where I'm holding the blockbuster tape with the meal in front of me. I'll have to try and find that for you. Did you watch I Am Curious Yellow and have like a... <laughs> no, that's actually on... I was trying to find a way to watch that. I, there's I, there's a list of films that I'm kind of putting together for maybe possible suggestions, and that's on it. But I'm Curious Yellow is tough to find. Caligula is tough to find. We've looked for Caligula. We're going to find it. Well, let's go to the lagoon with Natalie and Mike, where they're scaring the fish to celebrate their re-engagement, shooting off fireworks. Mm. It's a moment. Those fish are just terrified. They have shit themselves, and then they ate it, and they shat again. Fucking gross. That's what fish do. They eat the shit? Yeah. My parents used to have a super fancy aquarium for a minute. It was like their hobby. One day I was like, you know what? I'm going to see what the deal is with this. I'm going to sit and watch these fish. 
And I sat and watched one fish eat the poop right out of another fish. And I was like, this is not relaxing to me. Fish. Okay, so the fish are probably still better off than Mike and Natalie. But Mike looks excited for the moment. They both seem pretty happy in this segment. And they're talking, you know, about the lockdown and how Rona's ruining their wedding and reception plans. They're doing a a, a masked trip to Fred Meyer. We see Natalie wiping down the house with Clorox wipes. Mm. And she has to deal with the fact that we're not getting any Nelia at the wedding. So this is a segment, I think, where she calls and tells her mom that. I love hearing everybody say coronavirus with their different accents. That's kind of fun. That's uh, nice and optimistic. Oh, the coronavirus. Sean, the coronavirus. It's so hard for me in these woods. I feel bad. In the wood, in the wood. In the woods. In the wood. Oh, so deep in the wood. Then we go to Yara and Jovi with Jovi's slutty bachelor party with Kaz. Go on up there, Jovi. Go get it. Just men who are thinking about other men's dicks. Am I right? Or something. Mm-hmm. I feel like that actually, it puts Kaz in a better light because all I saw is his motivation was just trying to fuck Jovi over. Like I said, just being a frenemy. Because as much as you might want to party with your friend and you want to recapture that those feelings, like, I think they had to leave at like 5am. I just find it to be a dick move. It's not the kind of friend I am. I don't know about you. Maybe that's just how they party. Yeah, it is. It's how they party. But he's got to get on a plane at like 5am the next day. He's an adult male. He can say no. I think he's fully capable of saying no. I don't think he can. I don't think Jovi can say no to his friend group. And I think that's what I'm saying is he's that friend in the friend group that it's like, oh, Jovi will do it. I feel like that's what I see in this dynamic with him and Kaz. When you're that person in the friend group, it's not going to end well for you because you're just going to get pushed to do things that are more and more unhealthy for you. And then as you get older, the stakes get higher and then you end up crawling into bed with your pregnant injured ukrainian fiance at 145 in the morning smelling like raspberry fantasy body spray and liquor i always forget too that you can just drink wherever in in louisiana because he came rolling out of the penthouse club with his drink still looking at his phone and i was like wait why do you think he lives there yeah oh revelations revelations (laughs) shots fire (laughs) he gets home she tells him go pack and he's like, oh, I need to sleep. She's like, yes, you need sleep because you're drunk. Uh, yeah. Do you want him to pack right now? I kind of think that was part of her agenda. It was like, you're super wasted. Go pack. We'll see what you end up in Vegas with. Here's the thing. I don't think that coming home at 126 and no visible hanky-panky is bad for a bachelor party. And especially for Jovi. But the thing is, him turning the lights on and talking to her while she's trying to sleep. Oh. Like, I will fucking kill somebody for doing that. Like, you don't fucking interrupt my sleep. Are you trying to make sure that you're going to piss her off? So, I also loved Yara saying, remove your jeans that you was in the bar. Because I was like, ew, he's just getting straight into bed with his strip club clothes on. Yeah, that was fucking nasty. Ooh. With his fucking penthouse grossness. Jovi, I just, I sense pathos. There's something, something there. Anyway. His his need to be amongst the ladies of the night or or with the... Yeah, I don't know. It's deep-seated. I think you see it a little bit in his dad, too. You don't see his dad without a beer in his hand, ever. Yeah, it, uh, 
seems to be a theme in this season with a couple of these people, right? Yeah. There's always time for a cocktail. It doesn't feel as gross and exploitative with Jovi as it does with Stephanie, though. Because it looks like Stephanie needs a gurney. Jovi can function. I feel like Jovi needs it to function to a certain degree. But Stephanie looks like she could be unconscious at like any minute. It's rough. Harris, get the dolly. I need to go back to the room. (laughs) Get the the dolly. They're going to Hannibal Lecter her ass. (laughs) Okay, so let's go to Rebecca and Zayed. It's April 2020 and George is in lockdown. Speaking of raspberry champagne body wash, what what was that? (laughs) Raspberry fantasy body spray. Raspberry fantasy. (laughs) God, it sounds like something you'd get at, at a hotel. It's something you get at Walgreens. At, yeah. at the CVS across the street from the hotel. Yeah. yeah. Raspberry fantasy. I think it gave me a yeast infection. <laughs> it, it'll do that, especially <laughs> if it's got the glitter in it. <laughs> we should put a trigger warning on this episode. It contains allusions to raspberry fantasy. <laughs> so Rebecca and Zayed are starting to bore me just as much as Tariq and Hazel because... They're just really stretching out this Ramadana drama like saltwater taffy. Mm-hmm. Take a shot. She mentioned her ex from Morocco. Something's going on with Zayed. He's not the fun Teletubby teddy bear that he has been um, so far this season. He's kind of shitty and bitchy. Um, and he's like, I, I go to Vinny's house. And once again, she's like, no, they're moving. I hate to say this, but Rebecca does have a point where she says, so you're a strict Muslim one month out of the year. What did you call him? A, a buffet Muslim. A buffet Muslim. <laughs> and she's right. Like, everybody's right that's pointing this out. It is weird that he knew when he was coming over, he had a plane ticket and shit, and at no point did he mention, hey, you know, Ramadan's going to be during our 90 days. We might have to deal with this. He brought it up really last minute. She has eight days to plan a wedding. Once again, I think we talked about this last time. I still don't understand why he needs like a government why a government court-sanctioned wedding would still work for the the Ramadan concept. Hey, you know, if anything, it just solidifies that they're made for each other. So you did say she does mention the ex from Morocco, so do a shot. Mm-hmm. The other thing that she constantly mentions that I've realized, every time she openly worries about Ziad taking advantage of her, do another shot. It's always like... Maybe he's taking advantage of me. She's been thinking that as long as they've been on TV. Everything he does, and I mean, sometimes with maybe a justifiable cause, like, oh, let me borrow 200 of your own dollars to buy you a ring. Like, you know, that's some wild shit. Can we also take a shot every time she mentions the Sahara? And she's not talking about the drag queen. I wrote down titty stain. Who has a titty stain Oh, in this yeah, Rebecca scene? had a titty stain. She's got a titty stain. She's got a big old greasy titty stain. Oh my yep. God. She's just a mess. She's a mess. But she does have a point where she's like, you know, the whole deal this 90 days where she was like, I wanted to spend as much time as possible with you before the wedding. And now I don't get to do that, which makes her more mistrustful. So let's let's get excited because you know what's exciting? Being in quarantine while there's riots all around you. Oh, that sounds like fun. Amira's having the time of her life in Serbia. Yeah, let's pivot from the mother-son relationship that is Apricot and the living Muppet that is Zied and uh, (laughs) go to Amira. Part of me, I actually wonder, do you think they're adding sirens and sound effects? I, mm, 
that hadn't occurred to me, but I wouldn't put it past the 90 Day Fiance production people. That but, shit happens. But, you know, they had the footage of it. I mean, there was protests and weirdness everywhere when these lockdowns started, right? Uh-huh. So it stands to reason that it was happening in Serbia in July. So that's the thing, too, is it was like April, the previous segment, and things changed a lot between April and July. So she's five days into her 14-day quarantine, and she says, Andrew, tell me it's going to feel like a two-week vacation. It's not a vacation. And the other thing that I didn't even think of was that Andrew was basically like, yeah, just kick it in the hotel for two weeks and get room service and, you know, watch TV, which again, sounds like an absolute dream. But the restaurant in the hotel is not open, probably because of coronavirus. So there's no food in the hotel. Going out is scary. Everything's closed. So she can like go to a drugstore or a grocery store to get whatever. But some Pringles. Yeah, she doesn't have a suite or anything where she has a kitchenette. So she's kind of just not eating. And he's not calling her. She's out fetching her Bosnian Pringles. And then she gets to go back. And honey, that elevator. Shades of the Hotel Cecil. Oh, God. <laughs> documentary. The Privilege Suites. Uh, and then she gets in that, like, haunted elevator. It's like, oh, my God. Part of me was like, this is, she's being a little dramatic. And then I realized, no. She's in the Serbian Cecil. She's in the Serbian Cecil with her Serbian Pringles. She says, I am lonely and full of doubt. She's right, though. She's alone in a foreign country. Andrew is just too busy at work to be checking in on her. And yeah, I mean, he smells in every way possible. Because if you, this person that you love, you put them in this situation, shit's crazy with coronavirus. He doesn't seem concerned at all, by the way, that she might contract coronavirus with all this ragdolling, as you say, that he's putting her through. Well, what was it? That was inconvenient, but dot, (sighs) dot, dot. That was that was really hard. But dot, dot, dot. I mean, what's what's a little what's a little bit of pain for her in the name of love? It wouldn't surprise me if he's one of these turds that thought it was a hoax or it's just like the flu. When your love smells like a Dixie cup full of fish oil that's been left out in the sun for three days with a like extinguished cigarette in it. <laughs> floating in it. Yeah, just floating in it. Fucking gross. Chase that with some Diet Coke. Yeah. Nasty. My stomach literally turns thinking of him. Something is very off. But again, I said the same thing about Zayed. So what do I know? Which then makes me wonder, makes me question if somehow the 90 Day Fiance producers are like, what are they doing to make me feel this way? And But I don't know, man. Every red flag is waving around. Oh, yeah. So speaking of red flags, let's go hang out with Tariq and Hazel where it's May of 2020. Tariq, who is 46, by the way. Did we forget that? I don't know. I just had this moment where I, I just feel like everybody in the world is younger than me. Like, maybe I've reached that age. I thought Tariq was like 33 or something like that. I'm like, nope. He is just just fermenting that beard. And he's old enough to know better. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a, what it is. You keep forgetting because he's fucking juvenile. That's like an extra episode. That's a full colon untucked. So in their world, it is May of 2020. And Virginia is in phase three. And he's talking about how... 
oh, just, you know, keep talking about all this mini stuff, and I'm, like, tired of it. Yes, we all are, Tariq. We all are. But you know what? If you know that your Thai girlfriend and your obsession with Thailand and all things Thai pisses off your Filipina girlfriend, maybe don't wear your shirt that says Thailand on it that's a map of Thailand all the time, every day, to lunch with Angela. It's so hot. His fashion upscale men's fashion he's well we know he's upscale don't we that t-shirt's like totally like an etsy purchase right no i think that one of the reasons he keeps rocking it is because he i think he bought it there i bet at like the airport he was in the hudson news in bangkok i oh god hudson news got some peanut m&ms and a thailand Mm t-shirt yes so they're at lunch with angela who we love angela work it out miss angela I want Angela to be friends with everybody on this show. She'd try and talk some sense into them, you know? We should have Angela and Xavier do like a Ianla Fix My Life. It could be called Are You Crazy? Yes! Pitch it. <laughs> slash, slash, vous êtes fou. <laughs> oh, Xavier, what are you doing? Where are you? Yeah. So Angela can tell Hazel's got tears in her eyes. She's about to lose it and cry. Do you need to do a do we need to do a Reddit deep dive on Xavier? I'm gonna find him on Grinder. Yes. Do it. Grinder somewhere. Yeah. Oh, you're you're right. Okay. There we go. <laughs> yeah, Shit. You, you better not be joking. Creepy. I love him so much. Creepy. Okay. Shake it off and get it together, because we have to talk about fucking minty. I mean, Minty herself, great. But again, for someone who's who's hardly been on the show, she is a looming presence in season eight. She's the Rebecca. Instead of Rebecca, it's Minnie. 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 So Angela just says, okay, what's he done? Then Tariq starts talking about, I got a friend that I've known for eight years that I've never met in person. That sentence. And, and this friend, <laughs> you know, it's such I've an important- I've got a friend on the internet. She's a girl. And she likes me. (laughs) Mom. Oh, it's such an important major friendship in your life, but you've never met her in person. Okay. So Angela says he's full of crap. That's what that is. Yes, Angela. Thank you. And this was um, a moment where I was like, oh, Hazel, you are present. She thinks that Tariq is using her bisexuality as an excuse to cheat. And she's not the only one that thinks that. So they actually address the fact that it's kind of becoming apparent that Tariq is like, okay, cool, cool, cool. You're bisexual. So that means I can keep corresponding with these women. And no, that's not what that means. Well, the other thing is, do you think that she's into him at all? But the, the other thing is, it's, it's, a, it's a vicious circle. because It's like, would you still be into him if he was trying to pull this shit? It's all just the red flag, the circle of red flag bonanza oh this whole show is like when you do parachute in elementary school when you stand in a circle with a parachute and you get to go underneath of it that's this show wasn't parachute like the best chance to like kick your classmate in the head i always enjoyed it but i don't know i wasn't very violent as a child (laughs) (laughs) i I was more like "Ooh, this is magical and look i'm in another world wait is it when you go you go under the parachute and you're everybody's like doing this okay so you can't really like get your leg in there and like kick somebody (laughs) it would be seen you could not get away with it It subtly 
Obviously, this is this is what I was thinking of when I was in PE. How could you hurt your classmates and not yeah. get in trouble? I'm just looking for some grievous bodily harm. So then Tariq starts saying that if he blocks this woman or if he cuts off contact, he's going to look crazy or something. And Angela says, the only reason you look crazy is because you haven't handled this situation. Thank you, Angela. And she points out, too, that he is about to marry this woman. He's made a commitment to her. She's come halfway around the world, and he's still getting phone calls from his internet friends. This is so stupid that I just spent the rest of the segment, like, wondering about Tariq's cock. Uncut. You think? I just get an uncut vibe, yeah. I bet it's gigantic. Something something tells me he's swinging mad pipe. Because he's popular. But the thing is, it's like not, I don't know, it's not like a suave popularity. It's like a dorky popularity, which makes the probability that he has a gigantic penis probably true. You think he's a dork packing a dork? Yeah. So then he says this line that made my asshole twitch, which was, technically, I still don't think I was wrong. Dude. When you're talking about relationship shit, like, don't start any kind of sentence with technically... Or invoking right and wrong. Just don't bring it back up. Well, and what Angela was saying was, it's like, it doesn't matter. You're making her feel bad. She's not happy because of what you're doing. Stop doing it. You've committed to marrying her. She should be the focus. And Angela is right. Hella hot sauce. Yeah, that sauce isn't as hot as it used to be. Oh. So let's go back to Squim, where it's still April. It's been April there all season. I know. Lockdown's hitting. But Mike and Natalie both seem really excited because they're going to get married the next day. And Natalie's on the phone with Svetlana. Privet! And they're excitedly talking about the wedding. And I think Svetlana was maybe a part of her first wedding. She says her first wedding was huge and very elaborate and expensive. And there's pictures and it looks like it. So this time she was hoping for a beach wedding with flowers and it's like a party <laughs> with people. But she doesn't even get that. She gets a, a ceremony next to the Brown Lagoon with Tamara. Uncle Boo. And then Teresa, the officiant, and that's all. But she's still very excited and she's okay with it. So. Tamara is the lady from the bottom of the hill. Right? Yes. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you. Compared to what we experience with them later, I, I thought this was pretty boring. It's exposition for what's to come. Yeah, it's, I guess, false, calm waters. Because they can't jerk us around if they don't give us any line, you know? It's time to lube up. They're going to get jerking. This is just the tease. This is just a whisper. Yep, she's still very excited. So let's crack open that bottle of Xanax and go hang out with Stephanie and Harris. Stephanie's got an unbelievable connection with Harris, but she needs to talk to Maria. He just, the more he talks, it sounds like he's signing up to be, you know, an elder care provider. Stephanie can't make any decisions without checking in with her friend, astrologer, (laughs) and personal psychic, Maria. An elder care provider filtered through justify my love i want to kiss you in paris girl well it's weird too because she's not talking about harris as sexually as she talked about ryan the whole thing with harris it seems much more of like a caregiver protector kind of thing whereas with ryan it seemed like it was about the four times a night and then this and then that and all the condoms and well i mean we're also dealing with the fact that not that much time has lapsed since she was essentially If we're believing her sexually assaulted, yeah, yeah, of course there's an absence of sex and she just wants some, like, nurse. Yeah. It's just messy and gross. 
fair enough I had forgotten about the assault already and that that would sort of color things. I don't know if Harris knows about, like, we didn't see her tell him what happened yet, did we? He's just a general disappointment. She doesn't get into specifics. Like, he let her down for the last time. So they call Maria and he's like, I'm not hiding anything, but he's sweating like a whore in church. I loved the closed captioning did some work for me on this one, too, because Maria calls and she says, oh, since this stuff with her cousin, she's been, you know, blah, blah, blah. But closed captioning changed that to since this stuff was repugnant. And I don't know if whoever's doing the closed captioning has a sense of humor, but I liked that. Yeah, they have moments. Yes. Maria's concerned about the baby's mama. They use that phrase way too much. I feel psychically that she will resurface. Huh. Do you think that the um, mother of this man's three children might occasionally be still wanting to contact him? There's nothing psychic about this. She's essentially just paying for some to have a friend that is willing to give this man the fourth degree, the fifth degree, all the degrees. Well, he says he's definitely sure that baby mama is in the rearview mirror, even though his ring finger still has a tan mark from a wedding ring. But okay. <laughs> I mean, I actually wonder about this. It's like, is he married? Does Could he even, I don't know, it doesn't, none of it matters. And he says, I can make a better life. With my family and kids, I can be her bodyguard, take care of her yard. Oh, God, I love that the most. He's gonna, he's going to landscape the shit for her. Harris! Harris! Trim the shrubbery, Harris! <laughs> She'll have a doorbell like in Baby Jane. <laughs> so Maria says that Harris has a, a kind eye. It's a one-eyed snake. Got a kind eye. Yeah. What happens with baby mama when she hears you're living the high life in the U.S.? After I use Bentolacrem's whiteout on that K1. My favorite is, is it she's, is she the one who says at the end of the segment, like, she doesn't know if she's ready to say I love you? Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready to say I love you. I'm like... It's been like four hours since she broke up with Ryan. And was assaulted. It was assaulted. I don't know if I'm ready to say I love you. It's like, oh, man. Oh, pigtails. Speaking of, we, our next scene is Rebecca (sighs) in pigtails, freaking out, scrounging around in her car. She needs to get her metal detector out. She's tearing the place apart, looking for that wedding ring. She's got eight days to plan a wedding. And Syed said, he's just kicking it, you know. He's sad. he's just kicking it with my Xbox and my headphones on. And I like that he just kind of like lifts up a cheek so she can check under the couch cushions. I can't find my ring, Syed. I can't find my ring. He's like, why I worry. She's like, fine, just play your games. Okay. Their dynamic is so mommy-son. I can't handle it. All I did is write an all- caps like what it's with the fucking pigtails yeah so i don't i don't feel like they have a mommy son i feel like it's two fucking teenagers the pigtails did not help but everything about her demeanor while she's like i can't find my ring everybody has to drop what they're doing and help me look for it and he's like why would i i don't know where it is i don't know where you might have taken it off keep looking for it whatever he's murdering people on call of duty on the system that she ostensibly got to keep him entertained while she was at the chicken hut. 
Oh, God, that trip to GameStop, GameSpot, whatever the fuck it's called, I don't know. The Avalon Game Store. The the Avalon (laughs) Game Exchange. So she drives an hour to go see Tiffany, who called her in the middle of the night because she hurt her foot. But she has a suspicion that Tiffany actually called her because she's worried about this wedding. I hate everything about this whole dynamic between the parentification and I just don't think you should be having conversations with your mother about her shady boyfriend like this on this yeah. level, on this level. It's it's an extreme. And so Tiffany asks the questions that we've all been asking. Why has this Ramadan thing not been brought up before? She smells a rat because things are so rushed. She thinks that Syed's being sus as fuck. Once again, though. It was the most romantic moment of my life. He gave me that ring in the Sahara Desert, and now it's lost. Now he's cis and sus, honey. My favorite moment of this one is where she's she's like, I don't know, maybe it's a sign, you know, that this just wasn't meant to be because my dress doesn't fit, and now I can't find my ring. And it's like, honey, you gained 15 pounds and you lost your ring. That's not what I would call a sign. If anything, it's a sign that, You need to get your shit together. What are we supposed to do with her? I did these things, but it must be some kind of sign. And then I liked, I actually liked Syed's response of like, oh, we can just both wear jeans at the wedding. And and that made her freak out. And she's like, can you even believe he said that, Tiffany? I think that's cute. I mean, that's the thing is to me, that's the right answer. It's like, I don't give a fuck what we're wearing. I love you and I want to be married to you. We can get married in a bath towel. Before Ramadan. Yeah. Oh, God. And then the other line. This is the first time I believe it could last forever. Oh, so the other three times you just wanted to go to the Sears portrait studio? <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, you got your one in four, honey. This is the first time that it's she's believed it could last forever. This time I know it's for real, Donna Summer. Oh, oh God. God. Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebecca. Get your pigtails. We're going to the mall. Come on, you guys. We're going to Miller's Outpost. Uh, Hollister's having a sale. It's time for some mommy-daughter time. So, I want to barf every time Rebecca gets called out on her shit. I've seen it now with Melanie, and now I'm seeing it with Tiffany. She gets this, like, punished, petulant, teenager, sort of, schmoopy look on her face whenever someone calls her on her shit. And Tiffany's just like, okay, we've been through this with you now three times. She's like, our red flags are up. We were never wrong about any of this before. And Rebecca's just like, well, it's just, it's just different this time. And you don't know. You just don't understand. You don't know what it's like. You don't know what it feels to have these tattoos or this managerial job at a chicken restaurant. And a grease stain you know. on your titty. You don't know what's like. You don't. You don't know how I feel. So then she ends the segment with the line: "It's like I woke up on a train I was never meant to get on." Take responsibility for your life, Rebecca. Take responsibility for the fact that you gained weight, so you can't fit into your wedding dress. It's not like gremlins went into your closet and altered that wedding dress. You lost your ring. Deal with it. You lost your damn mind. Completely nuts completely insane this whole like absolutely fabulous dynamic she has with her own daughter oh it's totally a saffy oh Oh. it it completely is 1991 must have been a really good year for rebecca because she's just stuck there emotionally 
Tiffany has to detach with love, honey. Your mom obviously is going to do the same thing over and over and over again. And if you try and be like the overlord protector of her, you're going to give up your life, essentially. Yeah, she knows it. You can tell. I think Tiffany's done some work. I hope so. She could have come a lot harder with her communication. You can tell that she's being very careful not to put her mom in a position to defend things. She's just like, we're seeing red flags. I'm very concerned. Gosh, can you just imagine them having sex? Rebecca and Zayed? Yeah. I try not to. There's a lot of... Yeah, anyway. Um... (laughs) Yeah, let's... So now that you're all grossed out, you want to go hang out with Andrew? Oh, God, no. Yeah, that's the only right answer. I read my very few notes on the segment, and I was just like, oh, God. It reads like Kim Gordon's Sonic Youth, like a detached parody. It's like, don't you want a lifetime of camping with Gary and Connie? (laughs) I just wrote, ew, it's Andrew. That's how I feel every time he pops on. Ew, 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 Andrew. Ew, Andrew, Andrew, ew. (laughs) I'm just channeling Alexis from Schitt's Creek. You out disgusting. He says shit like, babe, I'm with you up there. No. To which Amira replies, "Mm mm-hmm. It was another one of those conversations. She puts herself through it, so I can't. It's like, yeah, he's shit, but so is she. Let's be honest. I just can't help it, Sean. I am in love with love and makeup. Honey. I like that he, so he's like, oh man, if it wasn't for this coronavirus, like, we were, I was going to have, I had the best 90 days planned out for you. We were going to go camping with Gary and Connie. You couldn't come up with anything better. You're not going to take her to like Magic Mountain or something. Don't you want to go camping with Gary and Connie? <laughs> ah! <laughs> How fucking exciting. So then he starts in on her with the baby stuff, because it sounds like when they first met up, she was like, yes, I want to have so many babies come out of my vagina. And now <laughs> now she's backpedaling on that, because maybe because of how immature he is. And he seems weird about, I feel like this happens with siblings sometimes, like he's competing with his sister because she's pregnant. Oh, okay. I bet he wants to be pregnant and bear a child. I don't know. She basically is like, it's up to you. Quit acting like a fucking piece of shit and we can talk about having the babies. Look at how he's treating her. He'd put a child through the exact same shit. Children of narcissists don't have it easy. Yeah, exactly. So he's all weepy and he's like, no, she's saying I'm not material for fatherhood. And and he ends the call with an I love you. And she just says, mm-hmm, bye. Mm-hmm. Why are you talking to her about this right now when she's stuck in a fucking Serbian hotel with no food? Yeah, she's like pining for a Lunchable at this point, mm-hmm. you know. All right. So back to Squim with Mike and Natalie the night before the wedding still. I actually like Mike's beard with a little bit more length to it. It looks better than his usual, Mm. like, number four clipper beard. He's feeling good. He's feeling confident. We're going to do it. There's no bachelor or bachelorette parties. So Mike gives Natalie a lap dance and talks about how he's magic big Mike. All I put for this is that they're stupid and cute when they're not brimming with resentment. Yeah, I know. It's like flashbacks to her riding the suitcase through the airport. It's like, oh, that's right. They did used to act like they liked each other. Remember that? Remember those days? Oh, so long ago. Coronavirus! 
centuries ago. So then we get to Tariq and Hazel, where he's trying to make amends by creating romance, strewing rose petals everywhere. There's some fruit. There's some chocolate fondue. There's some crooked wall art up and down the stairway. It's driving me insane. He's got candles. He's got champagne. And he's got to talk about Minty some more. Oh, my God. (laughs) Just fucking stop, dude. Don't talk about these other people. Don't talk about Minty. Just focus on her. Go down on her while she eats some chocolate fondue dipped fruit and have a nice night. And he kind of does. I kind of like in the beginning, I was strangely rooting for them. And now it's just like, oh, my God, this is such a hot. This is hot garbage mess. I got to be honest with you. I haven't been on board with her since number one, her reaction to his initial proposal, which was just sort of like, oh, Okay. And her shitting on Edgar Casey. She'll never live that down. She won't ever live that down in my eyes. You don't shit on Ed- Edgar Casey. Now the way this is all arranged to make everyone happy is that Hazel gets to pick the girl to repent for Tariq's misdeeds. Which is kind of how it should have been from the beginning. Okay. I think. I think. And I think he has veto power. I, I would think that he would have veto power, but this should be something, especially since she wants to have like a thruple and she wants to have an emotional I mean the way that she's framing it, I'm hearing more and more is that we're going to be married. I'm also going to have a girlfriend. She will join us occasionally versus this person's going to be our girlfriend. That's not what I'm seeing from her. And I think that's kind of her problem with the whole Minty thing. She doesn't want them both to have a girlfriend. She Mm -hmm. wants to have a husband and a girlfriend. So that needs to be clarified. Yes, honey. And that works. That's fine. Cool. Or is it? I think if it works for you, it works, right? But then what does Tariq want? Does Tariq just want to be able to reach out and contact these internet ladies? It's so convoluted and strange. But also, Tariq does have a shitload of female friends. You know, he's got Angela for his best friend when he had that party at his house. We saw how many of the guests were female. So I think he also might just kind of be that guy. And he seems totally okay. He says, I'm going to take myself out of it and let Hazel run with the ball. It sounds like they've kind of figured that out finally. And maybe we'll never hear about Minty again. And maybe she'll get her own show. The Minty experience. Yeah. The full Minty. The full Minty. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Snaps God. for me. That sounds more entertaining than some of the promos I see for it's like, what, do you just get a show now if you have five kids? If you're an American with five children, you, you automatically get a show on the Learning Channel. Who are these people and why are they unique in any way? It's like, today's so-and-so's first day of school. Mommy, uh, today on Disqualified. We're not yeah. the demo. We're not the demo, Sean. No. It's not for us. Honey. It's all Duggar adjacent, I think. And the little bit that I watched, the Duggars, it was like I wanted to just see how they did things logistically. With such an extreme amount of humans. But yeah, the rest of these people, I don't know. And most of them are, they're quiverful. They're in this or that, like, fundamentalist cult. When you really start, like, Googling and stuff. So that would be the only reason I'd watch it. I'd rather watch um, the full Minty where she just goes to DSW. That's, <laughs> I'd rather watch that. Fun Minty. Put some Vicks under your nose because we're going to go back to Moist Insult Andrew in Roseville, California. It's got five days left on the visa. 
And he's out on the porch with Mama Lori drinking Mama. some unsweetened iced tea. So his mom's trying to talk to him like he's some kind of normal human. So do you have other concerns other than the airports, maybe? And then Lori also says that Amira led Andrew on, basically, with her uterus. That lady wants some grandbabies. It's kind of gross. It's really gross. Andrew complains about how anxious he is. <laughs> jerking off motion. <laughs> jerking say, off motions all day. Well, it's just, it's appropriate because everybody's just constantly thinking about jizz. <laughs> Got jizz on the brain. It's like these straight people are so horny. Wow. Are you saying that you think these straight people think about jizz more than the gays? I think it all depends on what they want it for. It's crazy, though. So then we get the dun-dun-dun the next day. She didn't get on the plane. She didn't get on the plane. (laughs) I'm nervous, Mom. Barf. And there's four days left on the visa. My other favorite part of this was when he insinuates that she ended up in a detention center because she didn't call him. Like, he would have just fixed everything because we saw how effective he was in Mexico in general. He's also kind of said stuff about how like she fucked it up in Mexico because she didn't answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. Her actions made her shady. That's just Amira. What was their problem that she spoke really slowly in a sing song voice and didn't really use her face to express anything. That's just Amira, you guys. They're like, you're, you're smuggling some shit in on that weave. We can tell. I do not know what you are talking about. (laughs) I'm just coming to Mexico to buy some makeup and meet up with my fiance who's going to take me to California. And they're like, girl, okay, that's you're in detention. You're going to Disney jail, girl. We can't take it anymore. So, oh boy, Yara and Jovi in the early morning airport Uber. So once again with fucking Kaz. Hey, Jovi, bar opens at 5.30. Perfect. That's right before we get on our flight. People can say he's not an alcoholic, but if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, and if he's not, then Kaz totally is. They both are. They all are. I don't know. They're enabling each other. So hot. When I, like, barely got any sleep the night before, and I'm crusty as fuck, and I'm about to get on a flight from New Orleans to Vegas, do I want a cocktail? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. You do? No, I'm not the one. And then poor Yara is talking about how everyone thinks she's kind of like a Jasmine-style wet blanket, but a lot of it is because she's pregnant. You know, she can't do this and that, and she can't drink because she's fucking pregnant. Mm -hmm. And none of these people that are all judging her about her behavior know that she's pregnant, and that is shitty. Yeah, it seems like she has legitimate concerns, and there's a lot of red flags, which means that I'm 95% sure that they're going to get married. Oh, yeah. The more doomed it seems it should be, the the more likely they're going to get married. And this is part of the course. It's pretty uh, concerning. Yeah, she's talking about how she wants to go to Ukraine with the production crew. Like, in the airport, they've pulled her aside. I guess Jovi's at the Hudson News getting his plastic bottle of Everclear to take on the plane. His scope. <laughs> He's going to drink. All right. Dun, 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 dun. It's Mike and Natalie's wedding day. <gasps> Except it's not, Sean. It's the Blair Witch Project, Natalie edition. She wants to make sure that we know she is not dry crying. She is full of moisture. She is wet crying, honey. As much as I loathe Natalie, this this, is, this was fucking rough. 
and she's kind of having a panic attack. She's just hyperventilating. I don't know why she took it upon herself or why it's on her when she's clearly this upset. Because you know Mike's not in the other room, like, hyperventilating and crying. (laughs) Maybe he should have called Teresa, but poor Teresa, too, that's like, oh, well you know, maybe you can work on things. It's like, oh, Teresa, no, shh, no, honey, don't, don't say that. <laughs> Did you not watch season seven, Teresa? Yeah, she, Teresa, that doesn't mean the relationship is over. And I wish I just wrote in all caps, God damn it, Teresa, let it die. Come on, lady from the bottom of the hill. Oh, no, that's Tamara. Oh, shit. Who's yeah. Teresa? Teresa's the officiant. So that's what I'm saying. Uh, that's what's so upsetting about this. They all kind of look the same to me. That's what's upsetting about this is that she, yeah, she doesn't know this lady. This lady doesn't know her. It would be like someone calling you to cancel a haircut and being like, I'm so sorry. I have to cancel a haircut. I'm not getting married after all. And my, my fiance And you'd just be like, okay, so did you want to reschedule? I do have to charge you a fee. That'll be $400, you dumb bitch. Speaking of Tamara from the bottom of the hill, she's explaining that she's got to clean out her car because she's got car seats and she's got a lot of stuff in there. But it's okay, honey. We're going to make room (laughs) for all these bags. Oh, Tamara. I do like that in um, Natalie's madness, um, she launches a slipper from the bedroom that lands on the kitchen counter behind her and she laughs. That was yep. pretty funny. Yeah. And also I thought that she should find out if uh, Amira is uh, subletting. Uh, everyone's crying. I, I, you know, Tamara's crying. Natalie's crying. But I think we can all agree that kicking Natalie to the curb during coronavirus and stuff is super harsh because she's freaking out because she's like, I don't exactly know how I'm going to get home. I have to conclude and then I go to this place and maybe I get train with this place. And she's got to do all this with all this luggage. Like, uh-huh. I don't even wish this on Natalie. So I wonder if, you know, how we've been talking about how all season they've been teasing the biggest betrayal in 90 day history. I mean, this is pretty big. You know, he has been jerking her around and then they were supposed to get married like it's on the wedding day that he's kicking her to the curb. As far as betrayal goes, in my head, I always thought it was something related to infidelity. But I mean, the season's about to end. God, he never should have brought her over, period. But I mean, who who the fuck knows, really? He should have canceled the visa after the ring toss. He seemed like he was pretty sure at that point. But then he seemed really happy and they were having cute moments. How much would you pay for a lap dance from Magic Big Mike? I wouldn't have to pay for it. Well, okay. Let's say that you're Andrew's mom, Lori. Okay. And you're um, you're at you know the male strip club, Dingleberries, and you're getting your your diet coke. Please welcome to the stage, Magic Big Mike. Um, twenty five, thirty dollars. What am I getting out of it? Are we going to the champagne room? <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know. If, Ooh, um, I can tell you're really going there. No, I could. I could. <laughs> I'd make him wear, like, a stupid backwards hat, though, because that hair is such a... Oh, man. Well, that would work, though, because doesn't Channing Tatum, he wears the stupid backwards baseball hat when he's doing his sexy dances in the Magic Mike? No, probably. But I think we can all agree what he's doing here, sending her back home on, like, the day of the wedding is super harsh. But doing it during coronavirus multiplies it, like, super exponentially, because she's she's not just panicking because she's getting dumped and all this and... 
and she's Natalie and she thinks she's all that in a bag of chips, she's legitimately afraid that she's going to contract a disease and that he is basically sending her out there into Corona land. Total uncertainty. How does she get home? She doesn't even know. She's just going, she's just fucking going to the airport. Another thing I never thought I'd say, poor Natalie. Yeah. Next on Barrage, uh, Yara telling Jovi that she wants to go home. Surprise. Same shit, different day. Stephanie and Harris, babe mama. Surprise. We've got Hazel coming out to her family. Oh, I missed, I think I missed one of them. Oh, I missed, yeah, it's just Rebecca and Syed having more more stretching out of the Ramadana drama. And I'm just, I'm thrilled that we made it through yet another episode with uh, no Brandon and Julia. Yeah, we get we get the Brandon and Julia show next week because they're moving their wedding due to the coronavirus. Um, we get more Am- Amira crying in an airport and Natalie going home. So the next episode, there's some action at least to look forward to. You know I love Julia. I'm always happy to see her. And Brandon is a really good villain. Say what you will. Yeah. I mean, if you want to, yeah, break down the show like that, some of these folks are just pathetic. But at least with Julia and Brandon, they're not... They read on TV, you know. Well, yeah, they're not grinding each other down into the ground. Brandon is a shitty shithead and a brat. But I feel like Julia, if things were really that bad, she, she would go Russia. I believe in Julia. Yeah, she would definitely go Russia. Unlike Amira, who seems to have no boundaries, just a whole lot of weave. I'm in love with love. I just want to have the love in my life. And I want to go to the Morphe store. And go to the Mac counter. And you know, JCPenney's has a Sephora in it. And it has some products that the other Sephora on the other side of the mall doesn't have. Oh, okay. Before we Scotty, uh, any other thoughts on this episode or your feelings? Psychic inklings, perhaps? So I, I'm just kind of going back through the episode, making sure I don't leave any anything unsaid. We know that Jovi and Yara and Mike and Natalie got married. So I'm just curious now to see. Who did? They all did. But oh. Jovi and Yara and Mike and Natalie, I've specifically, I've seen pictures of Jovi and Yara and their baby together. I haven't seen photographic evidence of Natalie and Mike. And so I am actually, this, there is real suspense there because it's like, how do you, how do you pull back from this? You know, sometimes I kind of wonder too, if Mike is just trying to like, if he is trying to manipulate and like break her down because of her like, outsize overinflated ego that maybe this is his reaction of like no you've you've still got self-esteem let's see what else i can do here but mike doesn't seem insecure to me so i don't that doesn't really pan out yeah oh my god there's like pictures on reddit of them with their with their baby god that's kind of freaky mike and natalie uh no uh oh. yara and Obi. yeah so like i said i've seen those but i haven't seen any Mike and Natalie pictures, except for the pictures that I sent you of Mike's trip to LA, where I was like, look for him. He's in, he's kind of in your neighborhood. Uh, maybe they airbrushed the fuck out of the photo. But it looks like they both had face work done. I bet that's in touch weekly with like bad airbrushing more than anything. They both look very crazy. Like me with my Rebecca face filter. Oh my God. Yes. Come on, Rebecca face. All right. Hit me with some Scotty. 
All right. Hollywood Boulevard itself was full of gay bars at that time. Some of the better known ones were Slim Gordon's, Bradley's, and the Jade Room. In earlier days, there was also the famous Streets of Paris, located below street level in a basement near Cherokee Avenue. In its restroom, one wall alongside the urinals was set aside for glory holes. What's a glory hole? Well, it is a commonly known fact that men love fellatio. All men. And in the gay world, it is arguably the commonest form of sexual release. Many gay men gain added pleasure by having their dicks sucked by complete strangers. And that's what a glory hole is for. The penis is thrust into a hole in the wall, and someone completely unknown sucks it off from the other side. No names, no faces, no identities, no nothing. Just sheer erotic carnal pleasure. The streets of Paris had a row of about six or seven glory holes. Each one was separated from one alongside it by a waist-high wall, purely for semi-privacy reasons. But a lot of guys got an added kick being able to see the next man with his loins thrust up against the wall with pleasure until he reached full sexual release. Then the guy would pull his cock out of the hole, slip his trousers back up, and go back into the bar. The person who had just satisfied him sexually would remain completely incognito. During the 50s and 60s, I attended bar at the private parties of many queens who had glory holes in their homes. These were often in fancy, palatial, marble-clad corners just off the pool area, or situated room alongside the guest bathroom or bedroom. Why not, right? It's glory hole time. So you just put that dick right back in the pants? You don't want to rinse it off or anything? Well, there's really not very many places where you can, like... Well, there's a sink. You're in a bathroom. No, you're not. Did did it say it was, like, in the restroom? Well, I guess, but, I mean, I don't think... I don't think most guys think to just, like, whip it out and, like, wash it at the (laughs) sink. You know? You sure can't tell I don't have a penis. (laughs) Because, yeah, I... Do you, no. do, do you do that in the women's restroom? Do you well, just, like, wash your vagina <laughs> in the sink? <laughs> after, you, after you visited the donut hole? I got the full car wash going on. It just seems like you'd want to have a quick rinse just to freshen it up. Uh, it's dirty. Most guys like it that way. Now I'm just realizing that it's like, oh, yeah, a penis isn't just an inverted vagina. It isn't? Because for ladies, it's you don't want to you wanna rinse. Bidets. We haven't talked about bidets for a while, but it's another great usage for the bidet. I know. This is the first time we've talked about inverted vaginas. Yeah, I know. I don't know how you people do it walking around with your vaginas just hanging out for the world to see. Because it would just be like... <sighs> <laughs> like that. If it were a real inverted vagina, it's like... <sighs> <sighs> like that. <laughs> okay. Joining us for another episode of a show that is never going to end. But we made it through with a little, little, give me a little cuckoo. A tur-tur. A tur-tur.